Nintendo. Back with you, another edition of the Degenerate Hawkeyes podcast. Trent and Biz with you on this mid-August edition, fresh off of Kids Day. Biz, you were there and got to see Iowa look a little bit different than what we're used to offensively. Actually, some positive signs there, but uh, we're going to go through that, take a look at what you saw on Saturday, and get ready here as we are just a couple weeks away from the kickoff of the season. Yeah, I was there, but more importantly, Trent, I am, I am here today. I'm in studio in Des Moines today, and uh, I realized after uh, our last podcast that uh, Stat Boy was getting a big head a little bit, so I uh, <laughs> realized I better get here in studio and uh, put him back in his place. So not only am I here in studio, but uh, I, didn't, I didn't give Stat Boy a single assignment. I figured he, uh, he deserved the time off after, uh, after last, the last podcast. But uh, I don't know about you, but uh, a lot of good feedback from people on uh, Stat Boy. People were impressed, so he may be uh, – Maybe have to be a repeat visitor on, on air. He, I, think I think so. he was a smidge nervous, but he yeah. did quite well. And uh, you know, I, I, people were impressed. Mostly, that was most most of those compliments came from my dad. So, but uh, <laughs> he was very impressed. Well, one of our well, few fans, but he's out there certainly. And Mr. B, hello to him and to the rest of the Osage Mafia that joins us every week. And uh, you know, we got a few scragglers that check in from time to time. And it seems like more and more degenerates starting to check in with us here with legalized wagering. Now just two days away, Thursday, I'll be out at Prairie Meadows here uh, in the east side of Des Moines and getting ready for something that we've been doing for a long time, betting on sports. It'll now be legal, and what a time to be alive. We're just ahead of the curve, Trent. 44 hours and counting from now. Uh, so do you got a plan what your first bet's going to be? I don't yet. You know, it, And the one part that I was looking for today, there. Prairie Meadows has their betting sites live right now, so you can go to prairiemeadows.com slash sports betting, and you can find they have like an FAQ up there with frequently asked questions, a glossary of kind of terms, but no numbers yet posted. So I want to see what those numbers are. And with it, you know, I'll probably take a stab at maybe a, an Iowa over-under, something like that, but I want to see how inflated these lines are going to be, and I think that's the most intriguing part about this is these numbers are going to be different. It's going to be different what we see, not just in the casinos in the state of Iowa, but casino to casino, how different it's going to be. So until I actually have the numbers, it's hard to take a stab because all of a sudden if I want to, well, it's seven and a half in most places in Vegas for Iowa at the over-under, and if I wanted to take the over, well, if it's eight, eh, then you're going to reevaluate things. Or if the juice is reduced or plus juice, whatever it is on one side of it, so I need to have the numbers in front of me. But you know I'll be firing all day on Thursday. I'll probably just hang out. Maybe I'll get a room at Prairie Meadows for Thursday and just spend the night gambling all night long. There's only so many things you can bet on. At some point, you run out of bets. <laughs> oh, you got, you got preseason NFL, bunch of games on Thursday, MLB, and all kinds of futures. I, I'm just going to get all those different colored sheets. I'm going to be set up, find a nice spot, and I'm going to be studying all day long. It's going to be a great, great day. Well, I think that was my suggestion a while back, Trent, when they first legalized it. Yeah. You do tw- 24 hours of uh, Prairie Meadows. <laughs> but sounds like you're at least doing three to four hours, which uh, – is probably degenerate enough. Yes, so I, I got a problem. I know that. I, I love to gamble on everything. I like to put something down on pretty much every night. There's got to be something, some kind of action somewhere. But big picture, I mean, away from what I do, and I talk sports on a daily basis and kind of like-minded people, what are you hearing from people? You know, people that maybe have never done it before or people that have questions. I've gotten plenty of those, um, people not quite understanding what the numbers all mean and those kind of things. Is this going to be a, a big windfall for the state? Is this going to be suddenly 
lots of sports fans that have never done it before are going to jump in because it's legal. Do you see anything really different changing or people that are going to be that have gambled for a long time, they're just going to be able to do it legally. Is that the only change? Well, obviously, it's going to be a big windfall for the state. I mean, if you look at it, what was it, $50,000 annually to get a license. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and they all jumped at the chance to do it. So clearly, they know there's money to be made out there. But I don't think there'll be a, you know, I don't think there's going to be a mad rush of people that uh, were just dying to gamble uh, and now or, and waited till it was uh, quote-unquote legal to do it. I think the vast majority of the people that uh, wanted to, bet on sports were probably finding a way to do it in the past it wasn't exactly a rocket science <laughs> no. to, go out and, to go out and find a place to, to bet but I, I think what you'll get more than anything is you'll get a lot of people that'll go and like you said kind of make a day of it I think they'll mm-hmm. get people that'll go there for a, a Saturday and, and enjoy the you know the, the opportunity to, to watch an Iowa game and bet on some other games and so no I don't think there's going to be a mad rush but clearly uh you know, the Iowa Gaming Association knows what they're doing, and they wouldn't be doing this if they weren't going to make a heck of a lot of money. So uh, it'll be a moneymaker, but I don't think you're going to see – I mean, obviously the first day, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of people there, other degenerates there with you. But, uh, you know, I don't think there's going to be people waiting, you know, lining up out the door every Saturday or Sunday morning to make their bets. No, no. And with the mobile component that's going to be a part of this, going to make it a lot easier. You have to go to the casino the first time, make your initial deposit set up there. Uh, one question I do have, uh, Brian Orilko, who is the head of the Gaming Commission, he's uh, going to be joining us on Thursday from Prairie Meadows, is that online component. All right, so you put your initial 500 bucks in, and, well, knowing me, I'll probably blow through that in a couple of weeks, and I want to re-engage again. Do I have to go back to the casino? I don't think so. But if you do it mobily, what's the fee going to be? Is it a certain percent of the money that you put in, those kind of things? Does it have to be debit card only versus credit card? I know that's been a question that's out there. So there's still some questions, I think, that are out there. And there's going to be hiccups. There's going to be some issues, I'm sure, that will arise, either with the mobile component, some of these companies using mobile for the first time, some different things there. So you're going to walk before you run, but the best thing is it will be here. And we'll get into that a little bit more. I got some uh, Big Ten futures I want to throw your way, division odds that I put up over the weekend I saw from an offshore account. And uh, Nebraska Twitter got a hold of it uh, against Iowa Twitter. And it it was an absolutely crazy weekend in my mentions on Twitter. But let's talk about first what you saw on Saturday at Kids Day. In the past, this is you've been to a number of these throughout the years. You kind of know, all right, the defense is going to look good. The offense is going to look bad. You don't want to overreact to anything. But with that caveat in place, it sounds like the offense looked as good as it normally can, at least at this point in August. Yeah, I think that's accurate. I, I would say the offense looked different. It was not your usual Iowa offense. Um, there was more shotgun than usual. Um, there was more three and four wide receiver sets than usual. Uh, there was definitely what I consider to be more playmakers out there than usual. Um, you know, really impressed with the wide receiver group. I, I think, obviously, if Oliver Martin. Uh, ends up being declared eligible, that's a huge bonus. But even without him, I think we've got what I consider to be five legitimate threats at wide receiver. I, I, I thought, uh, obviously, you've got the Smith brothers coming back, but then you've uh, both Regani, uh, Tyrone Tracy are good ball players. I mean, yeah. just very skilled, very good route runners. Regani especially. I mean, I think he had he looks like a better version of Vandenberg and Easley as far as just route wow. running. Whether, whether he has... The hands that they do and can, you know, 
do it in front of 70,000 people, that still remains to be seen. But from a pure route running standpoint, he is really, really impressive. Um, the other guy that I, don't, I haven't seen anybody make any mention of at all, but I thought he, he just got a chance to get out of the field also is Calvin Lockett. He, he was a guy I was impressed with. Uh, he, uh, he didn't put up any numbers really in the scrimmage, but just watching him in warm-ups and watching him do the route running and everything, he knows what he's doing. And he's a guy I think will uh, potentially get to see a little bit of action as well this year. So, you know, with those, you get five deep. And, and again, Oliver Martin, everything I hear is kind of leaning towards the optimistic that yeah. there's a good chance that he's going to be eligible. And if he is, he will play right away. I mean, he's he's that good, and, and he's you can tell – He's just really smooth. Both him and Ragani, just watching them, they just have a different kind of you know smoothness to their route running. So it was, you know, you always want to take it with a grain of salt when you're one week into it. But I was pleasantly surprised with some of the weapons I think this team this team has, and uh, you know I think they've got a chance to be a, a, a very good passing team uh, you know, with a, an experienced quarterback coming back and, and five or six uh, wide receiver threats to use uh, at your disposal. So. On the flip side, the tight ends uh, less than stellar on, on Saturday. So we're not going to see no drop-off from Hawkinson and Fant to these guys? Well, everybody knew there was going to be a drop-off. But I think, you know, I think you're fooling yourself. You know, the coaching staff, I think, has tried to sell that, that weeding and buyer are going to be uh, – you know, the drop-off's not going to be as noticeable as you think. And, and after watching them, I just don't think that's, that that's accurate. And, and part of that's just because, you know, Heck, Hawkinson and, and Fant were obviously, you know, once-in-a-generation talents. I mean, mm-hmm. Iowa's had really, really good wide receivers or good tight ends in the past, but not a lot of first-round first talent. I mean, I think you got Dallas Clark, and then you got these two. I think they mm-hmm. did, didn't it? I mean, I don't think there's been any other first-rounders no, in no. the group. So, so, I mean, there was always going to be a drop-off, but I think you need to be ready for probably a bigger drop-off than you thought. And I think the coaching staff understands that. Like I said, there was a lot more three-wide receiver sets and a lot more shotgun than, than we've seen in the past. And I think what you're going to see is, you know, Fant played that slot position quite a bit. I think you're going to see, you know, Ragani and Tracy maybe on the field, both of them at the same time. Okay. One will play the slot, and one will take kind of what, what, what Fant's responsibilities were. They did that a decent amount um, on Saturday. So, And especially when, when Martin was on the field, they, they used Martin and one of those guys a lot, mm-hmm. um, both in the inside and then, and then would have – you know, usually Brandon Smith on the outside. So some different formations and different looks a little bit. I think they will, uh, you know, that's the one thing I think Brian Ferentz has shown, that he's willing to uh, adapt and, and, you know, optimize his talent. I think he'll do that again this year. So you mentioned it looked different. You're talking about the passing game. Obviously not a whole lot of two tight end sets this year. Maybe with it the running game going to look a little bit different. I think Weeding is a capable blocker at the very least, and, and he'll be able to fill that role uh, out there as a blocker. But – the running game, did that look different? I mean, we know the zone blocking scheme is a big of it, big part of it. This has been a conversation piece, though, going back to last year, is not going completely away from it, but some different components, or was the run game the Iowa run game and not a whole lot of wrinkles there? Yeah, I didn't see any new wrinkles in the run game. I did see, you know, like everybody else has reported, Torrin Young just looked better than he has in the yeah. past. Um, you know, Torrin Young, I saw an amazing stat. You know, you mentioned, I think, last time the podcast that Torn Young had, what, 130-some carries last year. Mm -hmm. Did you see how many of those were on third and and short, third and one or third and two? Did Dockerman have that? I I can't remember the numbers. but Four. Four all year long, which I just don't understand. No. I mean, you're not playing to his strengths if you're not using him in short yardage. And so what I really liked is that, you know, he had two touchdowns 
during the scrimmage, and both of them were the short yardage variety. I just like that they were using him in, in short yardage situations because I think, you know, you know what you're going to get with Torn Young. Mm-hmm. He's never going to be a burner. He's never going to be the most elusive guy in the world, but he's going to he's going to run hard and he's going to fall forward, which sometimes He's kind of like LaShawn. I think he's like LaShawn Daniels. I mean, very similar. I, Daniels was never a breakaway guy. Maybe he had a tick more top-end speed, but you can get away with guys like that. I mean, you don't you don't have to play for the home run every single time, and when he was in there, you look at the numbers, they were good. He was the only guy that had a 20-yard rush, but through the first eight weeks of the season last year, something ridiculous like that. So you can get away with that. And then you can go with the different guys and do different things. Makai Sarger may be the most complete back. And then still the wild card is Ivory Kelly Martin, your guy from a year ago. And this time a year ago, you were singing his praises. And what, had the ankle injury and it just never got off the ground for him. Do you see anything from him? Did he get many carries? Um, I think it was pretty clear he's the number three right now. Sargent didn't play a lot either, but I think that was because I think the coaching staff kind of knows what they've got with yeah. him a little bit. Same with, you know, you know, Stanley didn't play as much as the two backup quarterbacks either. So, you know, I didn't see a lot out of Kelly Martin, but, uh, you know, maybe I probably learned my lesson from last year and <laughs> singing his praises. But, you know, I, I think, again, I don't think any of our three running backs are going to set the world on fire. We, we've, you know, they are what they are, but, uh, Clearly, Torin Young had taken a step forward just in his, you know, assertiveness. And, you know, he's always been a hard runner, but I think sometimes he hasn't had the greatest vision. He's mm-hmm. just kind of put his head down and just tried to get his two. And he did a little better job of, I think, uh, you know, finding the hole and then, and then hitting, it, uh, hitting it hard. So the other thing offensively that I was really impressed with, uh, I know I'm not the first person to say it and won't be the last, but Tyler Linderbaum is the, uh, the real deal. Is he, he? He is really good. Yeah. Just watching him and maybe – uh, you know, hopefully it's that he's good, and it's not that our, uh, you know, defensive that, tackles are. are but guess, that Lattimore and Reef haven't taken that big step in their senior year. Well, and Lattimore and Reef, I think, I think we're fine there. Uh, to me, it's a little more concerned. We'll talk about more on the defensive side, but he manhandled Davian Nixon. Oh, really? Just in one-on-one drills. I mean, there was no doubt Linderbaum was uh, at least that day the better mm-hmm. of the two. So, uh, wow. um, and. Again, it's, that was five minute, a five-minute drill with one-on-one type things, but he clearly won the one-on-one battle between the two of them when they were uh, going head-to-head. So you have uh, the offensive line. You mentioned Linderbaum in the middle. The tackles, certainly great last year. Both Larry Jackson and Tristan Wirfs were about as good as you're going to find in pass protection. Run game could use some work, certainly, but then it comes down to those interior spots. And one of the oddest things has been Levi Paulson had been, the, of the Paulson twins, the guy that played a lot. He'd made starts. He, he's been one, able to. One start every year. Yeah, yeah. He he can bounce out. He can play inside. He can play outside. But it's not Levi that's listed as a starter right now. It's Landon, a guy that hasn't. Now, he's had a lot more injuries. Injuries have been a big part of it. But certainly interesting to see that part of it. And then on the other side, you have Van Wart. What did you see of the interior, the guard position, if anything, from the O-line? Well, I, I, from what I've heard on the Paulsons, it might be as simple as they are mere twins and Landon – is better on the left side, oh. and, and Levi is better on the right side, and it sounds like they feel comfortable that Cole Bamwert is better on the right side, and so, uh, yeah. But it, it was clear. I mean, I would say Landon got ninety-five percent of the snaps at the first team, hmm. so it, it wasn't like it was, you know, sixty-forty. I mean, yeah. he, it, when the first team offensive line was in, it looked pretty established with uh, Landon at left guard and Bamwert at right guard, which obviously that could change in the next three mm-hmm. weeks, but. Uh, there wasn't a ton of 
shuffling in and out. Uh, there, there seemed to be a pretty established first team and then a, a pretty established second team line. So that could change, but it seemed like if he stays healthy, it's his job to lose. Crazy. I mean, and these are the kind of stories that if Iowa football is going to have a special year, you need stories like that. You need stories like this guy that had been banged up, really never played, and all of a sudden he's a good player, and he's honorable mention all conference this senior year. Those are the stories that Iowa football goes from a 7-5, and 8-4 and four type year to having a special season. You need stories like that. You need stories, two names that I mentioned. Riley Reef's little brother, Brady, who maybe most not, famous. He's not so little anymore. <laughs> he's, he's bulked up. Maybe most famous in his career for uh, jumping into a cop car and asking for a ride home. Now he needs to do some things on the field. Cedric Lattimore has played a lot of snaps, hasn't made a whole lot of plays during those snaps. So those kind of guys taking a step forward. We know the defensive end position. I mean, you want to talk about Epinesa? It sounds like he was nuts again. It kind of reminded me of back uh, the open practice they had at Valley, what, four years ago in 2015 in the spring practice when Drew Ott, they basically had to take him out because he would just blow up every single play. And we said, oh, this offensive line is going to be brutal. and turn out to be good. It just Drew Ott was really good. Epinesa, same kind of thing. But uh, defensive end feel good. Inside, though, what would you see? Well, I think Chad Leistica made the same comparison you did about uh, – Epinesa and Ott, and, and it was definitely not to that level. No, okay. Um, I, I was there for the Ott's Kids Day Massacre in 2015, and that truly was – they, they he couldn't play anymore because yep. Boone, Boone Myers literally could not block him. Yep. It wasn't that way at all. Okay. Um, Epinesa did really well, and he got three or four quote-unquote sacks. Sure. But all of his sacks were the I'm going to reach out and touch you mm-hmm. sacks. It wasn't like he was just turning – Alert Jackson in circles, and, and, and you know Jackson was falling on his butt. So I, I thought Jackson held his own pretty good, actually, against okay. Epinesa. Um, Epinesa is – And he's probably not going to see another player as good as A.J. Yeah. Epinesa during the course of the season this year. I mean, I don't want to downplay. Epinesa was really good, and yeah. he's always really good. But it wasn't Boone Myers versus Drew okay. good. It wasn't we've got a major problem here, and it's embarrassing. It yeah. was – you know, it was we can't two, run it was, offense. It was two guys battling, and Alert Jackson won a few, and, and Epinesa clearly won a few as well. Yeah. But you mentioned the interior – I think the interior of our def- defensive line is probably the key to this team. Both Latimer and Reef have to uh, make that that senior year jump. We've seen it in the past. There's a ton of guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can name you know, twenty of dozen. these guys. Yeah. I mean, especially especially the defensive tackle position. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the J- Jaleel Johnsons, Carl Davis, all those guys. Their third year mm-hmm. um, of playing or, or starting, they took a just a huge jump forward yep. and went from being good to to borderline great. And we need one, if not both, of them to do that. Not not only because I think they're capable of doing it, but because the defensive line depth, I think, was probably my biggest concern okay. from, from kids' day. I mean, when you've got, you know, Amani Jones and Joe Evans as your as your backup defensive lineman ends, that, that's yeah. a concern. And when you're, you know, your defensive tackles are, uh, you know, you're moving people around. You got Logan Lee moving over there and some other things. That that shows me that we've got some concerns on our depth in that area. The guy that. I didn't see show anything uh, on on Saturday. Was the the, the transfer the Van Valkenburg? Okay, yeah. He clearly looked like he is uh, got a ways to go. There's a reason he um, was playing D two football. Yeah, and he looked kind of lost in our system a little bit. Um, he got pulled a couple times and, and had some 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 frank discussions with the coaching staff a few <laughs> times. Not saying, I mean, again, it's a week where the practice he ended up being great, but clearly he. Uh, He's got a ways to go, and I thought Nixon had a ways to go as well. Okay. I mean, clearly, he's got the build and the body, but you know, very rarely ever has a first-year defensive tackle come in and, and you know, clearly 
you know, it takes a while to develop in that system. So that's why the, the guys that have been in the system that long, Latimer and and Reef, they, they've got to produce because we're not going to have the depth we had last year. Noah Shannon, a guy that uh, is just kind of a guy, is he big enough yet to I play just, more than a dozen snaps maybe inside? He can't be more than about 5'10", 5'11". Yeah. He's just not a very big guy. I, I mean, like those bowling balls. There was two guys, him and Alex Padilla, that both just stood out as being incredibly Small. short. I mean, Alex Padilla may not be 5'9". I mean, he, he is <laughs> really? little. Um, you know, because you, you look at, uh, you know, clearly our quarterbacks break into two categories. You got, you got Petrus and Stanley, who are the big guys with the cannon mm-hmm. arms that aren't always the most accurate. Mm-hmm. And then you got uh, – the other two who are littler, but I mean, Padilla is a good two inches shorter than all of them. I oh, mean, really? Than, uh, Even mean, Mansell than, is. Oh, he's, yeah, Mansell's, Mansell's probably 5'11. Yeah. And, and Padilla, Maybe flat six. And Padilla looked fine. I mean, he's, yeah. he, he's accurate, He's but he uh, he's not very big. So, you know, not saying that that won't, uh, you know, clearly uh, you got guys like Kyler Murray that uh, show that 5'9, five, 5'10 five, can be a. Mm-hmm. Be good, but you better be a little mobile. And, and he showed some mobility. Both him and uh, Manziel showed a little mobility. Um, but uh, both uh, him and Noah Shannon both are noticeably smaller than their counterparts. So not you think Noah Shannon won't contribute, but uh, he's not. I don't think he's ever going to grow into that space eater. He's always mm-hmm. going to be that other defensive tackle that you know the the Mitch King type that's going to have to be a disruptor. And, and he played quite a bit. So I didn't. I don't remember him standing out doing anything, but he was definitely in the rotation. So I thought it was interesting. So obviously we, we've talked a ton about the move to the cash position, another defensive back, basically in Iowa's base defense, what they're going to do. But because they're practicing against the Iowa offense, they run a lot of 4-3 during that time. Linebacker, at least for now, looks to be in good shape. Christian Welch, uh, from all reports, played incredibly well there in the middle, kind of solidified probably that middle spot. And then what? Colbert would be the guy, the starter on the other side, and Neiman Maybe the flex guy that can play the uh, the both positions as both backups. Maybe is that kind of fair right now? Yeah, first two plays of the scrimmage, they came out in a regular four three, and those were the three linebackers. Um, and then they switched by third play. They switched into kind of a dime, and and Dane Belton was in there. Oh I mean, yeah, so it True went pretty quickly from a. But the one guy at linebacker that pretty much, as far as I could tell, played every formation was Christian Welch. Yeah, he was in on pretty much everything. He was in on the dime. He was in on the cash. You know, whatever you want to call it nickel he was in the regular formation um it looked like he is pretty much the guy in the middle um and neiman and colbert were clearly you know the next two in on the outside you know the the two outside spots but there was a ton a a ton of uh competition for uh, linebacker i thought both uh seth benson and doyle looked good and played but i mean got their feet wet last year but i mean it's just limited there's just not a lot of spots Mm -hmm. there and but it certainly looked like uh Welch is the man for sure, and, and I think Neiman and, and Colbert are going to get the, the first two shots at their two positions. So, But there's, again, it's kind of like wide receiver group. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's probably more depth at, at linebacker than I can remember in you know at least the last seven, eight years. Good news for special teams. A lot of linebackers certainly going to play on that, and some of those young guys. You mentioned Benson and Doyle. McDonald, who was injured last season, and then uh, what Justin Jacobs. I, I know there was some talk about him. Probably not finding a role inside the defense, at least right away, but at the very least a guy that can play some special teams and, and help out there. Anything else at linebacker? Jackson and Campbell, or Jacobs and Campbell, both played about the same amount of snaps. Okay. And, and they both, my guess is that they'll be they'll take advantage of the four-game rule mm-hmm. with them, with yep. both those two. Um, neither one of them really stood out. I would say Benson, Doyle, and, and McDonald all 
all had at least one or two real nice plays. Mm -hmm. um, but again, hopefully, I think the coaching staff is hoping that they can be special teams only this year, and then right. you know, fill a role, fill for, fill a more uh, regular role next year. But I, but I, you know, again, it's another area where I just think there's more talent there than we've had in the past as far as just just depth. Because um, you know, last year was pretty scary there. I mean, you know, Colbert had to jump in, and mm -hmm. we've never seen him before. I mean, I, I think if there's injuries, we've got we've got depth in almost all those positions. Yeah. And, and and the guy that wasn't there, Barrington Wade, didn't play. Well, so I mean, he's another body that he's shown that he's capable, mm -hmm. and, and I, I I don't think his injury is real serious. So he's another body that uh, wasn't there, but he's another another uh, option. Speaking of depth, the cornerback position is incredibly deep. Uh, fighting for minutes in that playing room and in that in that position group right now, it's going to be difficult. I, you got Ojemudia, the senior, who is back. Matt Hankins, who I think is about as good of a corner, cover corner as you're going to find, certainly in the Big Ten this season. And then the depth that they've been able to build the last couple of years. We saw Brents last year. We saw Matt Moss last year. DJ Johnson, who was banged up a year ago. Just so many different options and different ways that they can play those those cornerback spots. And included with it was the cash position. Was it DJ Johnson? Was he the guy that getting the most snaps there? I would say he got, if not all of them, he got the vast majority. Okay. He, I mean, I think Ojemudia is the other option they're kind of yep. considering there, but he didn't play there at all that I could tell. Okay. I mean, again, Ojemudia I think is another guy kind of in the same mold as, as Stanley. They know what they're getting yeah. with him, yep. so he just didn't play a ton. Because Ojemudia is more the physical guy, and that's why – after last season or after what we saw Hooker, I thought it was easy. Well, Ojemudi will be that guy, but then Phil Parker was saying they want it to be not a safety type, more of a cornerback type, and that's when DJ Johnson kind of took that role and ran with it. But I don't know. I'm just I'm incredibly intrigued to see how this goes. And all of a sudden they get in a game in the third quarter, and it's a old-school Big Ten football game, and it's 17-14, and it's running slugging. Are they just going to keep rolling that out there? Or are they going to bring that extra linebacker in? I don't well, know. I mean, I – I think the days of old school Big Ten football are kind of yeah, out the window. That's a good point. I mean, Michigan sounds like they've kind of going to embrace the spread. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it's kind of us in Wisconsin. <laughs> right. We we are the, uh, and I'm not sure it's us anymore. I mean, after going to that scrimmage, I mean, again, it was one practice, and it may have just been a day to. They were working on the passing on game. The passing game. Yeah. But we certainly look like a pass first team on Saturday, and and if you have a third year starting quarterback and mm -hmm. you've got. Some weapons around you probably should be a pass first team, and um, but we looked like it at least on Saturday. So, you know, I, I think the days of smash mouth football in the Big Ten have, have kind of gone out the window a little bit. So, you know, uh, to answer your question, I think yeah, I think we'll we'll, we'll ride with that until it uh, fails us. But yeah. you know, we were spoiled last year because it doesn't get much better than what Hooker was no. in that position. And if DJ Johnson is, you know, seventy percent of that position, uh, we're in good hands. But the one other guy at D-back or at cornerback that played quite a bit was Terry Roberts. Yeah. He played a lot. He, he got burned a couple times, and he kind of struggled a little bit. But clearly he's earned um, you know, he, he's earned the trust of Phil Parker, which Phil Parker's shown in the past. If you, uh, if you earn his trust, he's not afraid to put you in there, whether you're a, a true freshman or a, a redshirt senior. So he played a lot. I would say he played just as many snaps as, as Moss or Bruns did. So I was uh, one of my favorite things. You brought up Dane Belton, who was in there incredibly early, uh, what that third snap, and all of a sudden he's going out there with the dime package. And same thing that you mentioned with Phil. All of a sudden Parker finds a guy he likes, he's going to put him in there, but you have to do things his way. You have to do it right. If you do that, you're going to play at Iowa, and then you're going to go and play in the NFL. I mean, to a T, that's happened to seemingly every one of these guys, guys that have looked terrible at times early in their career, and by the time they're a senior, 
Huh? There they are, really good players, and go off to the NFL. But uh, Belton was making his way off the field for the first time, and he was running off, and last couple of steps he kind of walked the last two as he's making his way to the sideline. Phil Parker told him, do it right, had him run the three steps back onto the field and run, sprint the last three steps back on. And just those little things. And it's coaches all over the place that, that do those types of things. But just listening to Phil Parker and, and hearing him when he talks and going back to Friday media day, he was talking about Belton a little bit and, and those kind of things. He finds guys. He finds exactly what he wants. And, and another one of those guys from that we saw last year is Merriweather, who was a basketball player. He was going to go on. He was going to play probably in the MAC and, and play college hoops. He didn't want anybody to talk about it. He didn't want it to be a big public when he was recruiting him. But he said, I like you. I want you to come here. And now he's going to be a starter this season. You saw him. And you like what you saw out of, out I did. of, out of Merriweather? I did. I liked him a lot. But I, get, I would guess if you asked Phil Parker that same question, <laughs> Phil Parker did not like what he saw yeah, on yeah, Saturday. Yeah. I liked what I saw because he's clearly very talented mm-hmm. and he's very fearless. He is not afraid to come up and hit. He's not afraid to come put his nose in the hole. Um, but he reminded me a little bit of Amani Jones, a linebacker. Okay. That, uh, you know, I'm not sure he will have the trust of, of the coaching staff to to keep that position. I, I hope he does because I think he's got a heck. You know, he's he's got a ton of talent. Mm-hmm. But he he drew the ire of uh, Phil Parker a couple times on Saturday and had to get pulled out. But but. They went right back in. I mean, he was in and out a few times. I, I think the upside of him is is really high, but whether whether he can build that trust over the next three weeks and, and keep the position, um, I've heard a ton about that he was didn't play. But the, is it corner? Is that Jack the uh, the guy uh, from here from it, Dowling? From Dowling, Kerner. It's, Kerner. It sounds like he was really pushing Merriweather for that position until he got hurt. Yeah, um, and he didn't play obviously. So, but uh, it sounds like. He's kind of the safe option, and Merriweather's mm-hmm. probably the, uh, you know, the more talented but risky option. And, and what we've seen at the safety position is that Phil Parker has generally gone with the safer of the two options there. So it'll be interesting to see if Merriweather holds his job. But, uh, again, I was impressed with him. Phil Parker, maybe not so much. <laughs> well, if Phil is taking time out of his day to yell at a guy, it means he has expectations for him. And, well, and, and he always came back into it. It wasn't like he yeah. was – I mean, he played, wasn't benched. He, he played a lot. And I would say, I mean, from my, uh, you know, less than expert eyes, he made more positive plays than negative, put it that way. But the ones that he did poorly, Phil Parker was not afraid to uh, point it out to him immediately. You, 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 even with 20,000 people, whatever there was there, you, you, you can still hear Phil Parker. Yes. Phil and Tim Polisak are the two that you can generally hear over the crowd regardless. So we also had some special teams. You're feeling good about returner with, of course, Amir Smith-Marset. On kick returns, punt returns. Saw some Terry Roberts back there, little Smith Marset. Uh, who else was returning punts that you saw? Regani got the first look. Okay. Um, and then Amir Smith Marset was back there a little bit. Um, but it, it certainly le- seemed like Regani, it's probably Regani's to lose. Okay. I think, um, again, I think over the years, our coaching staff has leaned towards being the safe option there. And I think he probably is. I mean, obviously, Amir Smith Marset would be a lot of fun to watch back there. But, uh, the couple that he did return uh, uh, during the scrimmage, one of them uh, he picked it up off a hop, and the other one he uh, misjudged it and had to catch it over his shoulder. So they weren't, they weren't the prettiest of, right. uh, of punt returns. <laughs> so my guess is it'll be Regani. Um, 
and obviously Smith Marset at kick return. All right, so then we get into special teams as it is the specialists. Kickers didn't miss a kick. We have the greatest kickers of all time, Trent. It could be a. It's like the the Baltimore Ravens just having to trade away guys. Yeah, exactly. They're trade. so good. So no, both of them actually looked really good. I will say Keith Duncan's ball flight looks better. He just good. looks like he's, you know, stronger. In, in the past he looked like you know Zach Bromert two point where mm-hmm. you know anything outside of forty four yards he had to uh, line drive it over the center's head. So mm-hmm. he he looks better just from I mean he was able to make the fifty yarder with ease. Both of them were which. I mean, are they going to have the leg of Racinos? You know, absolutely not. Okay. We're, you know, we're going to have more returns because neither one of them, I don't think, are going to blast it to the back of the end zone like mm-hmm. Racinos did. But they both look serviceable. And um, our coverage units have been good throughout yeah. the last three, four years, too. Yeah. So. Well, I think actually, I mean, I think our coaching staff would like if we could, you know, do that kind of pooch kick and place mm-hmm. it at the two. We've had really good success yep. at, at putting people uh, inside the 20 in that situation. But, you know, both kickers, you know, Hard to complain when both of them go, uh, whatever, seven for seven. Yeah. Good there. On the other side, the punter, Colton Rastetter, battling now Michael Sleep Dalton. Not you, quite the same as Rockin' Ron Kaluzzi. But have you heard his story? Uh, Aussie rules football player. You know how old he is? He's like 27. He's 27, and, and, and he was a full-time electrician for a couple of years. He's yeah. all tatted up. Yeah. He, uh, he was out in the real world. He, he was working a nine-to-five for a couple of years and then decided uh, – that wasn't for him. So I had no idea he's 27 years old. But uh, he, I thought he looked better than Rastetter, which okay. isn't, isn't exactly a, a high bar at this right. point. But I hate to say it. My guess is they're probably going to share the punting duties. Okay. I think when it's a nice day and there's no wind and everything, I'm guessing Sleep Dalton will be asked to go out and just blast punts. Mm-hmm. But if there's wind and everything, I'm guessing you'll see Rastetter doing the uh, – Rugby style. Rugby style quite a bit still. So if anybody thinks that we're uh, just out of the, you know, you know, out of the weeds when it comes to punting situation, I didn't, I didn't get that. Uh, Sleep Dalton clearly has the better leg and he clearly uh, is capable of doing it. Mm-hmm. But can he do it when it's 45 and windy? That's yeah. the question. Right. And going from Arizona State, he hasn't really dealt with weather before. I wouldn't think he's probably kicked in bad environments. And I heard somebody, and I can't remember who it was, bring up uh, the elevation and, and punting in the Pac-12 and at different places in elevation. It's not like he had ridiculous numbers. He wasn't averaging like 47 yards a punt. It was like 42 and a half, something like that. Well, not going to have the elevation here, and maybe that drops it down a little bit more. So this isn't going to be a savior. Our hope, though, is much like Rock and Ron Kaluzzi, maybe he can draw a personal foul penalty and uh, extend a drive against Michigan this year. If, if he becomes half the legend that Rock and Ron is, Trent, then he is uh... – <laughs> A scholarship well spent. Final thoughts, uh, spring game overall. Feeling good? Feeling better after uh, before you walked in on Saturday? Feeling worse? About the same. Definitely not feeling worse. I mean, I, I, I was impressed. Like I said, I thought the offense looked better than most spring games. You know, you're, what, six, seven practices in. Sometimes the offense can just look brutal. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that way at all. Um, you know, like I said, I was pleasantly surprised with, you know, We've got a couple of position groups that have built some depth over the years, and you know, wide receivers better than it's been, linebackers better than it's been. Um, you know, I I do think obviously two areas of major concern with depth. Um, if Stanley goes down, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not sure any of those three are ready to to come in and 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 be comfortable back there. I didn't see that. Uh, the one caveat I will say is I had a three year old with me, and we left a little <laughs> early, so I missed the. Uh, 
the two-minute drills at the end. And apparently, uh, Petrus looked very good in those. But the parts I saw, especially in the uh, pre-scrimmage stuff, just the simple route running stuff, mm -hmm. he definitely does not have the accuracy of Manziel or Padilla. I mean, okay. he's, he's a work in progress on the accuracy side, but he's, he's a big kid. Um, and then same thing with defensive line. I just, you know, people kind of take for granted that, you know, with Epinesa and, and Golson and everybody, that we're going to be really good in, the, in defensive line. They're probably right. We should have some talent there. But that second unit mm -hmm. was not nearly as – I mean, not even close to as good as, as last year. And that, that, to me, was what set us apart last year is rarely does Iowa have seven or eight defensive linemen that are really – you know, capable of going out there and contributing. And last year we did. Yeah. And that showed a lot. Um, I, I don't, I think, not not saying we don't have depth, but uh, the depth is clearly a, a work in progress. Well, and I, I wanted to kind of talk through this because much like the cash position and, you know, some of the, the things that have been rattling around, heard a lot about this edge rush position that they've been doing with Imani Jones and, and uh, what, the kid Joe from Evans. Maine, Joe Evans. Who apparently both those guys look good in that role, but and apparently he is uh, he is our friend friend Tronus is a nephew. Yes, yes, so. which is great to see too. Might see some Evans jerseys are rolling if you, around. If you attended the Tronus wedding, you have met Joe Evans before. He, apparently, he was like one of the ring bearers, I believe. Oh boy, that was a long time ago, wasn't it? So, and Tronus reminded me that he referred to himself only as Joe the Bull. Joe so, the Bull. So not not much has changed. He is he kind of looks like Joe the Bull at uh. Or jo Joey the Bull. I Joey the Bull. That's actually what he referred to himself. So, so if he becomes. We might have to print out some t shirts. Joey yeah, I was going to say, if he becomes this edge rusher and he gets a few sacks, uh, you may need to trademark Joey the Bull. As yes. A, a, so. Great idea. Um, so, if they do go to that, though, we know Epinesa's a ridiculous pass rusher. Golson's good. So, Lattimore, you would take out. I mean, are you bumping Epinesa or Golston inside with the four man front? One of these guys isn't more kind of a linebacker, just a stand-up linebacker coming off the edge, and you're bringing five. That, that's, I just, that's what I'm trying to wrap my mind around is how this is going to look. I mean, I think it'll be kind of the stand-up, moving-around thing we've seen in the past. Kind of like what they do with the Raider. I will say I'm not a huge fan of that. I think Northwestern really exploited that last year. Northwestern saw it coming, mm -hmm. and on multiple third and eights, they just ran up the middle on us. And that, Bowser. I, that cost us. I mean – um, whether other teams will adapt and do that same thing, I don't know. But when, when you, you know, when you put Golston, Epinesa, Evans, and and Monty Jones, you don't have a, you know, there's not a guy bigger than 260 out there. So mm -hmm. it's uh, there's you're uh, you're taking a risk up uh, people gouging you at the middle in that situation. But uh, I will say Evans and, and Jones both were, were fun to watch. They've got a lot of talent, but. Mm -hmm. uh, One's one's really short and one is uh, really skinny. I mean, Evans probably doesn't weigh more than two forty. Okay. I mean, he, he's but he made a couple of really nice plays. He uh, he perfectly read a end around once and, and killed Brigani, and, and he was in the backfield at least one other time. So, you know, the talent's there, but uh, you know, it, it's obviously a significant significant drop off when you go from AJ Epinesa to Joe Evans. Yes, yeah, and that kind of goes without saying. No offense to Joey the Bull. No, to Joey the Bull. I love that. I absolutely love it. All right. So uh, we're good. We're good on football. I think so. I think yeah. I, I'm, my takeaway is that this team is, is, is capable of being a very good football team. Okay. Um, again, that's a caveat that the right positions stay healthy and mm -hmm. don't get hurt. 
But uh, win close games. My honestly, I think it's going to be very similar to last year. I think you're going to see a team that's going to be in every game, mm-hmm. and like we say every year, do you win the close games or do yeah. you lose the close games? And that, that's Iowa football, um, and that's really all you can ask for. I think as an Iowa fan mm-hmm. is, are they going to be, you know, are they going to be that team that's, you know, sc- scrapping to get to eight to four, eight and four, and that's the best case scenario, or are they going to be the team that's in all twelve games and eight and four is kind of a disappointment? Yeah, and I, I lean, I guess, towards that. That second category, which with the schedule, eight and four would definitely not be a disappointment. Um, but with the talent but, on the team, with the talent on the team, eight and four is definitely attainable and, and, and higher than that is, you know, possible if things break the right way. Okay. Uh, with that, a couple of other notes. I saw that uh, Bud Light this year is coming out with the fan cans again. University of Iowa is involved, one of six universities. Are you ready to drink some Bud Light out of black and gold? I know you love your Coors. Can, can we flip you over to Bud Light for a tailgate this of year? Of all the Anheuser-Busch products, uh, <laughs> the more expensive it gets, the worse it is, Trent. If, if you could just get a Nat Light Iowa can, I, I'd be all in. I, I prefer Nat Light, then Bush Light, then Bud Light. It's the uh, you know, the, the inverse. The, the more expensive it gets, the, the worse it gets. So well, speaking of you that. Get, you get me a, an, a University of Iowa Nat Light can, and I'm all over it, Trent. Natural Light has uh, come out. Of course, they have Natterdays, which are delicious. And unbelievable, and our buddy Buck uh, loves those things. And oh, I, speaking of that, yeah, um, it took 98 episodes, whatever we are, but Buck listened. He, no way. He listened to uh, the Stat Boy episode. He, uh, <laughs> he was forced to listen because they, he was on, on his way to uh, Iowa City for our, our get-together a couple weeks ago, and uh, everybody else in the car listened. And his takeaway from it was, Stat boy was really good, and I was terrible. So oh, okay. He, my voice is not not meant for radio. He told me. I think was the exact words. So, that's so yet nice another thing. yet another concern that Stat Boy's coming for my job. So that that's why I'm here in studio today. So. Yeah, keep keeping a solid rain on things. All right, Natural Light has come out with a new product, Seltzer, Natty Light Seltzer, the two flavors, Catalina Lime Mixer, nice, and Aloha Beaches. That. Uh, just when you think Nat Light can't get any better. It's, a, it's unbelievable. It, I don't think I've ever liked a, a seltzer ever, so uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, I have a the, feeling these will show up at a tailgate, though. Yes, but and I would say uh, this, this, the, the Natter Days is surprisingly good also. I don't, like, I don't like lemonade beers either. But uh, at this point, until Nat Light uh, fails me, Trent, I'm just going to assume everything they put out is great. So. Yes, they, they do a great job. Unfortunately, they do not have... The Hawkeye cans, but Bud Light does. One other note uh, off the beaten path a little bit. Tyler Cook today signed a two-way deal with the Nuggets. He is going to be able to move up and down with both the Nuggets and their minor league affiliate. Now, the Nuggets don't have a true affiliate. They're one of the few NBA teams that doesn't have, like uh, here in Iowa, it's the Wolves, and and the Wolves are their affiliate. So they can kind of send them all over the place. But he's got a deal. He's going to make some money. Good for Tyler Cook. Definitely good for Tyler Cook. And, And you know, you and I kind of talked about this as kind of being the best case scenario for him. Mm-hmm. You catch on to a team, and you get the right, you get the right scenario. You never know. You become, you know, somebody's ninth, tenth, eleventh guy, and come off the bench, and he's got a chance to do that at this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, they saw enough in him that, you know, they're willing to invest in him. And, and I think it's a two-year contract, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So yep. I mean, it's you know, it's a couple of years of, uh, you know, you, as we all know, he's got talent out the uh, out the wazoo so if he, if he can uh, develop and, and become better at, on the defensive end and better rebounding and, and you know continue to improve in some of those areas I don't see a reason why he can't be uh you know latch onto somebody's bench for a few years in the NBA 
Finally, uh, one thing that I mentioned at the top, back to gambling. Bovada put out their division odds. They're one of the more reputable, I'd say, offshores that actually put out division odds for all the college conferences. And They don't like the Hawks, do they? They do not. They're not alone. So I found another one, and I want to say it was the FanDuel in, in New Jersey that had also put these out. Uh, that was a couple weeks previous. But this is, this is one, I think, that has a little more national appeal at the very least. So at the top, it was Nebraska, the favorite in the Big Ten West to win the division at 3-1. to one. I, I don't see any value there. That doesn't make much sense. Wisconsin was the second choice. Purdue, the fourth choice, at 4-1, to one, same kind of thing. Then Minnesota, and finally Iowa at 5-1, to one, followed by the reigning champs, Northwestern, who was 6-1 to one there. I don't think you're going to see those kind of numbers here in the state of Iowa. I'm going to guess they'll be, if they do have lines like this and uh, futures like this, it'll be skewed certainly more towards the Iowa way, but certainly a 5-1. to one, That's worth a flyer at the very least, isn't it? Oh, definitely. I mean, I, we've talked about it. I mean, it's such a – I mean, to be to be honest with you, I think all six of those – you could put all six of those teams at 4-1 to one mm-hmm. and just put all the same odds across the board on all of them and then give Illinois or whatever 125-1. to one and, <laughs> and you, and you, But so I just don't see any major gap between any of those six because I, I, like we talked about a couple episodes ago, I, I think Minnesota and Nebraska – Talent-wise, probably are fourth and fifth, but mm-hmm. schedule-wise, they're first and second. Yep. And on the flip side of that, I think Wisconsin and Iowa probably have you know, the, some of the better returning talent all around, but they've got tougher schedules. So, I, I, honestly, I think all those should be just dead even across the board. Um, the, the team that it's absurd is Northwestern shouldn't be sixth. I mean, that, yeah. that's, that's this is, again, just never slap in the face. I mean, we've talked about the fact that they've got a tough schedule up front, but – if they can navigate and be three and three mm-hmm. halfway through their schedule. Oh, they're in great shape then. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. Fitz, Fitz is what we used to be. You know, we used to talk about that Iowa football in November always got mm-hmm. better. I mean, Northwestern has become the new Iowa yes. in that way. I mean, they are a really good November football team. And if he can get them through September and early October at three and three, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet against them at that point. So – of those six, I think the, the best betting odds is Northwestern. Yeah, I'm with you. At 6-1, to one, yeah, it's another one that's worth a flyer. Then to win the whole thing, Ohio State, look at this. They're plus 125 to win the East, also plus 125 to win the whole conference. Well, that's a slap in the face <laughs> to the Old West. <laughs> that really is. Ohio State has been throttled the last two years Cle- by Purdue and Iowa, and they're still plus 125 to win the, the championship game. I assume Clemson's odds are actually oh. – It's like minus – 600 to win the division, something like that. And probably about the same to win the conference. I think it's too. like 425, something like that. Yeah, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. To win the whole thing, though, Ohio State 1, Michigan 2, Nebraska, the third betting choice, at 10 to 1. Penn State 12 to 1, Michigan State 13 to 1. Wisconsin at 16 to 1, I think is worth another one of those flyers. 16 to 1 with Wisconsin and what they've been able to do throughout the years. I think that's worth a shot. And the same thing, Northwestern's 28 to 1 to win the whole thing. Iowa 35 to 1. Great odds there. 35 to 1. And if they get to Indianapolis, you got a great hedging opportunity. You'll be able to make some kind of profit at the very least. That's that's where we need Stat Boy. That, Stat Boy loves to hedge bets. Yes. So uh, maybe we need to put some money down the 35 to 1. And then if, if by some miracle we're in Indianapolis in early December, we'll bring him in and he can he can break down the different hedging options for us. That sounds great. All right. Because so, the, the, public, the public is clamoring for more Stat Boy on air. They are. They are. He is a fan favorite now. He is, uh, he's come up in a big way. we got lots of things we can talk about 
with Stat Boy. All right. Um, one last thing. You uh, you said you wanted to talk baseball. I, I did want to talk about. I don't want to talk things, baseball. How have things gone for our two teams in the last three weeks, Trent? Well, not even the last three weeks. Last two months, the Twins. They're over 500. They're 31 and 29 since they had an 11 and a half game lead. Unfortunately, the Indians are playing like 800 baseball, and now they are a half game up in this division. Just awful. Your team, on the other well, hand, 800 baseball is for losers, Trent. Because <laughs> what what are the Mets played here over the last three well, weeks? Well, they're 15 and two over the last 17. So uh, <laughs> you do the math. Yeah, you do the math. But uh, you know, it probably won't last. But at least it's fun to uh, get back in the race. And and the National League, unlike the American League, where you're going to have to play, uh, you know, 600 ball or above to get in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. If, if you uh, if you can get to you know, ten games over five hundred by the end of the year, you're gonna you're gonna be in the wild card in the, in the National League. So, the Mets have given themselves a chance, and uh, that's all you can ask for. And if their pitching stays hot, you never know because if they the Mets can get in the playoffs, mm-hmm. you know, as as you saw back in in fifteen, if their pitching gets hot, you know, you, you get the power arms going, uh, they can be unstoppable. So, uh, you're saying there's a chance, Trent. That's all you got to do: get in, give yourself a, what a chip in a chair, the old uh, poker adage, and that's all you need. Same thing with this Mets team. And, and the National League as a whole, I mean, the Dodgers are incredibly good, yes, but I don't know. But they're not as strong pitching-wise as they have. No. Been. I mean, they don't have it's that. Ker- you know, Kershaw is back to being Kershaw, but it's regular season Kershaw. We know what he's been in the playoffs and has been nothing short of awful, certainly with what you're used to out of him. I don't think there's anybody in the National League you need to be nervous about. That Braves team can be okay. I don't love their bullpen, even though they made some moves at the deadline. Cubs, Brewers, Cardinals, they're all flawed teams coming out of there. Just get in. That's all you got to do. Unfortunately, there's, what, seven other teams trying to get in with the Mets there. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's a cluster, that's for sure. So, yeah, my, my parents actually went up and uh, watched the Braves uh, pound your Twins oh. into submission. I think the back-to-back games that were, what, like 12-3 to three at yeah. one point. And the, the Twins came back and made them both respectable. But uh, yeah, the Braves, if they can get that bullpen figured out, they might be uh, as good as anybody. But uh, – None of those additions have helped the first couple of weeks. So it's going to be the a Mets good and Braves start a series tonight. So I guess you know part of what the Mets have done is they they beat the teams they need to beat. I mean they mm-hmm. they beat up on the Marlins and the Pirates. So we'll see the next couple of weeks they they play some real competition and if they can uh, you know play above five hundred ball the next couple of weeks they got a chance. Taking a look here, odds right now to win the division. The Mets are still fourteen to one. What are they, seven and a half back? Yeah, I say they're a good eight, nine behind the Braves, I believe. Uh, To win the, let's see if they got American League odds here. They don't. All just division odds that I'm finding right now, unfortunately. you posted as of like a week ago, the Twins were like 96% chance of making the playoffs. Somebody was feeling optimistic. All right, here it is. To win the National League, the Dodgers still the favorite, minus 120. Braves plus 425. Cubs are eight to one. Mets and Nationals both twelve to one, fourteen to one for the Cardinals, Brewers, and Phillies eighteen to one. If you had to make a bet, where would you go? Of all of those, sadly, I'd probably say the Cubs at eight to one. Pretty good price. I was going to say that. You, rarely can you say you get a good price on the Cubs because mm-hmm. usually the Cubs are kind of like Nebraska football. Everybody, uh, you know, they usually are overrated. But uh, you know, at eight to one, that, that's not. You know the Cubs aren't great, but uh, they've got, they've got plenty of talent there, and they're probably going to win the division. Which you know you avoid that wild card. That's a huge uh, you know you don't have that one game roll of the dice. So to win the World Series, Astros the favorite plus two twenty five, Dodgers right behind them plus two seventy five, Yankees four to one, 
And then the Braves 10 to 1, Cubs 15 to 1, Twins 16 to 1, Indians at 18 to 1. That might be a flyer. And there's your Mets checking in at 22 to 1. And also, as I was looking at these futures here, uh, to win the Little League World Series, international team minus 150, team from the U.S. plus 110. You got, yeah. a pro- you got a problem, Trent. I'll, I'll do a little there, digging there, on that. There's your first bet on Thursday. Run up there and bet on the international <laughs> super, uh, the, the, the international, international little league team. I like uh, 150 on the international little league world series. Uh, we're not booking that, Mr. Condon. I'm sorry. Well, then you can, you can be the first person to get kicked out of the casino yes. for throwing a team. First person to bet. First person to get kicked out, Trent. <laughs> uh, it's going to be a glorious day. Before we get out of here, Biz, uh, time once again for Biz's beat. Hey kids, gather around for business beat of the day. Okay, here's business beat of the day. The business beat's an easy one this week, Trent. It's uh, it's a congratulations. By the time you and I get back together, it seems uh, very very likely that uh, little Parley Condon is going to be here. So, I assume, especially given what's happened over the last few months and with gambling becoming legalized basically at the exact same time as the birth of your, your first son that you have, you have done your, your due diligence and have talked Tara into that name. Correct? Yes. Yeah. Par- Parlay Condon. Good. Well, I started with Kirby Condon. That was shut down very quickly. And you know, the transgressions of, of my favorite player growing up. Yeah. I was going to say up until, uh, up until Kirby's fall from grace, that, that yeah. would have been a nice name, but uh, I, I wouldn't. Uh, that one got shot down. Um, Parlay has a nice ring too. What about teaser? Yeah, maybe not. There could be a more negative connotation with Teaser. Teaser seems like he's built to be a, a male stripper. So that's, that's, <laughs> par, parlay, parlay is simple. You think gambling right away. Teaser, right. you think uh, gambling and or uh, lap dances. So, right. So, so, which, if that's the way Tara wants to go, that's You never fine, know. So. You never know. Well, you talk her into it. You're in town. So. I already talked her into Parlay was my uh, my my suggestion. So At least as a middle name, Trent. But, but no, seriously. Uh, congratulations. Congratulations. Uh, Going from one kid to two, uh, good luck with that. It's, yeah, uh, I, I've yeah. heard many times. Yeah, but you you've you've used the Bizgard method and you've spread it out a little bit, which yes. which makes life a little easier because uh, I don't know how parents do it when they have like, kids that are like you know twelve eighteen months no apart. I think they just drink a lot. I right. would assume, but uh, you know, congratulations and good luck. And, Thank you. Uh, you know, it, I, I hope. Uh, it, I hope Tara can hold on a few more days so it doesn't mess up your live broadcast on Thursday. So. Yeah. Right Otherwise, you're going to make a tough choice between Prairie Meadows and, uh, you know. Or, or the birth of my son. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll see. We'll Let, see. Let's hope it doesn't come to that. We won't ask you which one you pick on the air. That's, that's what they have doctors for, right? It's not like I'm doing anything. So, well, I saw, I, who, who was it? The, uh, there was an article in The Athletic about, which coach was it? Uh, Adam Gase. Yeah. That, uh, I believe uh, he, he, was, he was there for the uh, – the C-section, and as soon as the doctors announced that everything was uh, there, he, he returned back to work immediately. So don't do that, Trent. I will not do that, no. Don't, don't be that guy. Don't need to be like Adam Gase. There is no doubt. It is a wonderful time. Biz excited for it and uh, hopefully excited to make my way over to Iowa City a couple of times. think I'm out week one. Don't think I'm going to be able to make it over for that one, but uh, we'll, well see. You've got, you've got a legitimate reason not to yeah. be there, but uh, yeah, hopefully hopefully by uh, the Rutgers game or, or at the very least Middle Tennessee State, you'll be ready to ready to make that trek over. And we'll uh, we'll leave Parlay at home. We'll have to wait probably a year before he makes his first appearance at Ginnick, but it'll be a good time. Biz, enjoy it. We will talk again here probably right before the season, make our official predictions, and uh, 
At that point, we'll see how much money is left in our account after our initial deposit. Is the next one uh, number 100 or is it the one after? I think the one after. I think this is maybe 98. Well, mm-hmm. I can probably take a quick peek here and see. Well, that's okay. We'll keep. Either way, we got to come up. We, we got to put Stat Boy on the job for number 100. We got to. Yeah, this is this is episode 98 right now. Right, so we got some time. Episode 100 be perfect timing, right around football season starting up, and uh, we can celebrate uh, hitting triple digits, which there is we go. which is 97 more than I thought we'd get to. <laughs> Good stuff, Biz. We'll talk again soon. Go Hawks.